0: Chapter 13 of the Friendship of Anne, a story by Ellen Douglas Deland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Anne Talbot reached New York that Saturday evening before Christmas, her mother was waiting for her at the station, and with hasty goodbyes to the other girls, she followed her to the carriage, and they were soon being driven to the beautiful house on Fifth Avenue, where the Talbots lived. "'You dear, dearest mother!' exclaimed Anne, throwing her arms about Mrs. Talbot and kissing her. "'I never was so glad to see anybody in my life. "'How can you be so hard-hearted as to make me languish in boarding school?' "'You don't look very languishing,' laughed Mrs. Talbot.' so far as i can tell in this light you are in a very bouncing state of health kingsbridge seems to agree with you in spite of the plain fare you tell me about you mustn't forget my dear that i too went to the wickersham school i know you are not being starved as you would have me believe wiki doesn't improve with age I dare say that twenty-five years ago she gave you terrapin and canvas-backed ducks, but she doesn't now, my good little mother. No, indeedy. Nothing but ham and corned beef and a few other horrors, and ice cream only three times since school opened. I hope you are going to give me ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it must be Mallard's, please.' And don't forget I am very fond of buckwheat cakes, and have cream cakes always ready in the pantry. Anne, does your mind run on nothing but eating? Is that all you have learned to talk about? Well, it is all because Wiki starves us. Oh, how glad I am to be back in noisy old New York. And what about the party, Mamma? i have asked a lot of girls already and am to let them know which night the minute i can don't you think it would be great to have it new year's eve and sit up to see the old year out and oh mama dear did bud bring home anybody for the holidays i am simply wild to know bud was Anne's name for her only brother edward by which she had called him ever since the days when she could not talk plain and lisp buddy instead of brother she now heard to her satisfaction that two young men were visiting in the house and that one of them was fred merriman alec tracy's friend and that alec himself was coming in a few days They were classmates of Ned's at Harvard and were all intimate. The other guest was Will Dana, whose home was in Baltimore. Any girl can easily imagine what fun was in store for Anne during these Christmas holidays. Her father and mother, delighted to have her at home, were ready to grant her every indulgence that was in their power to bestow. Her brother, a few years older than herself, had always been especially devoted to her. His friends liked her and were ready to do her bidding. She was pretty and high-spirited, full of fun, and although inclined to be obstinate when her mind was made up, as we have already discovered, she was of a generous nature, and if once convinced that she was in the wrong was always perfectly willing to acknowledge it. The difficulty lay in convincing her. Just now she forgot all about Sydney Stuart and the affairs of school, which so lately had been of such importance, and was entirely absorbed in her preparations for Christmas and the good times that lay beyond that day she never thought of Sydney alone in Kingsbridge, whose affection for her was unbated in spite of Anne's coldness, and who longed with all her sensitive, intense temperament to have her once more for a friend. It is so hard to wait when you have an eager, impulsive heart, but Mrs. Tracy had advised her to wait, And she was honestly striving to be patient on christmas eve the talbot family of course hung up their stockings they not only hung them up but they filled them that is they provided the contents for one another's and this gave a grand opportunity for all sorts of jokes to be played as soon as dinner was over each member of the party went to his or her room, and carefully placed a stocking, distinctly marked with its owner's name, by the fireplace, where Santa Claus would have no difficulty in finding it when he should emerge from the chimney. This accomplished, they all returned to the library, and if when they went to bed their stockings had disappeared from the fireplaces, they made no comment." Santa Claus had arrived earlier than was expected. That was all. And downstairs Mr. and Mrs. Talbot filled the stockings with all sorts of odd-looking packages, which had been collected and marked, and after the household was presumably asleep, again hung them where they had been left, early in the evening, now stuffed into grotesque shape, and fairly bursting with their extraordinary contents. Christmas morning these were examined as early as each recipient chose to wake up and do it, and loud were the shouts of laughter which came from every room. After breakfast the whole family marched into the parlor, the doors of which had been kept carefully closed, and here were arranged a number of tables— covered with white cloths, and bearing the gifts which had been pouring into the house for many days and which were now to be opened, Anne's pleasure and enthusiasm reached their height when she found among her presents a charming little gold watch and chain from her father and mother, and from her brother a ring which she declared was the prettiest in New York. It was a band of gold set with turquoises, and inside were engraved the words, Nan from Bud, Christmas, 1880. She had never worn rings before, and as he slipped it on her finger, she gave him a hearty hug. "'You dear old boy,' she whispered, "'did you choose it yourself?' "'Of course I did.' I shall never wear any other ring as long as I live. Bosh, are you going to decline an engagement ring? I shall decline an engagement. I am not going to marry, even if I am asked, which is doubtful. I am going to keep house for you and be the comfort of your declining years. My dear girl, exclaimed Ned, in pretended dismay, "'perhaps I shall have provided myself with other comforts. "'Don't let your satisfaction in the ring "'lead you to make rash vows "'of remaining in single blessedness "'for my poor sake. "'Wretch, you don't want me. "'Well, Bud, I hope I shall like her. "'If I don't... "'If you don't, you will have to hate her. "'I know you, Nan.' however cheer up i haven't made my final choice as yet cheer up cheer up the worst is yet to come quoted fred merriman and i haven't thanked you you have been so engrossed with your presence and ned's future housekeeping i haven't had a chance that crimson soft pillow is a dandy it is just what my room needs I shan't let Alec rest his golden locks upon it, you may be dead sure of that, that's the worst of a roommate, they always grab all of a fellow's best cushions, thanks ever so much. And thank you, Freddy, for your perfect basket, you know my weakness for Mallard's candy, you must have broken yourself in two. "'getting me five pounds in such a basket as that. "'I shall always use it for a work-basket.' "'What a picture!' murmured Fred. "'And darning stockings, my basket beside her. "'Your candies following one another "'with fearful rapidity down her yawning throat,' "'put in Ned. Bud, how disgusting!' It sounds as though I were a young robin, but here is a package I haven't opened. Whom can it be from? It looks like Bertha Macy's handwriting, but I hope it isn't, for I haven't sent her anything. I never thought of her. She untied the ribbon and removed the wrapper. In it was a box, and in the box, laid in jeweler's cotton, was a shining bangle. Anne looked at it in astonishment. Then she discovered a card. It is from Bertha, she exclaimed. It is a perfect beauty. I had no idea she was going to send me anything. It is from Tiffany, too. She must have spent a lot on it. I wish she hadn't, for I don't think they have so very much money. Oh, I wish I had thought to send her something. The spirit of Christmas, observed Fred, to her that gives should be given. Well, it is true. I could still send her flowers or candy. I might fill a box from your basket, just to punish you. Oh, and make you take them there, I will. Why don't you send her the basket, just as it is, inquired Fred. Because I need it for my stockings. "'For no other reason, of course. I will get a basket. I have a nice little new one.' She did so, and poured in the mallard chocolates with a ruthless and unstinting hand. "'If you haven't made fun of my darning stockings, I shouldn't have taken your candy for this,' said she. "'Now I will do it up, and will you please get ready?' and take it as soon as you can she lives in 37th street i will write the address let banks or one of the maids take it Anne said her mother don't make fred go away down to 37th street no fred you shall not do it oh mama it would add ten times to bertha's pleasure if fred were to leave it there she would be sure to see him and she admires him as much as he does her, Fred groaned. No, he is not to go. Besides, he would not have time before church, and I don't like this idea of sending her something just because she sent something to you. You ought to have thought of it before. Well, I didn't, and indeed, Mamma, she will like it, and be awfully hurt if she doesn't get anything from me and it is such a beautiful bangle mrs talbot examined it then she looked at the box i haven't heard you speak of her often is she a great friend of yours she asked oh sort of a great friend that is lately i have seen more of her she was at Cousin Gertrude's Thanksgiving party. I asked her, for Cousin Gertrude said I might bring some of the girls. She was a dandy choice, murmured Fred. I shall not soon forget my evening on the stairs with the fair one with the flaxen locks. Oh, boys are so queer, Mama. You know, They don't think the way we girls do about other girls. Fred got stuck with Bertha, and so he has taken an awful prejudice against her, and so did Alec. Fred was about to make some retort, but he must have remembered in time that it was not in particularly good taste for him to criticize so freely a girl who was apparently Anne's friend for having opened his mouth to speak he closed it again and placed his hand upon it with exaggerated caution merely allowing himself to exchange a glance with ned that was full of meaning in the meantime ned had been examining the bangle he laid it back in the cotton without comment a little later when he and fred were together in another part of the room he whispered imitation tiffany box quite emblematic of the giver replied his friend wait till you see her what does anne mean by standing up for her anne is usually pretty keen that way oh the best of us are influenced by undisguised admiration my dear boy "'See the result of your admiration of me. "'I cannot live without you.' "'Precisely,' returned Ned dryly. "'But I am glad it doesn't lead you into giving me tin presents in Tiffany boxes. "'I say, Nan, hush up, Nettie. "'Let her find out things herself. "'I'll trust Anne any day to come to her senses. "'Just give her time.' and you know the more you oppose her, the longer she will be in calming ground. Which remark proved Fred Merriman to be a wise young man, and Ned, realizing his friend's sagacity, turned the conversation and spoke to Anne about something else when she responded to his summons. So a pretty basket filled with Fred's chocolates was sent to Bertha and gave her great delight, which was marred only by the suspicion that Anne had not intended to give her anything until reminded of it by her own gift. She did not allow this to worry her, however, and determined instead of writing her a note of thanks to call at the Talbots the next day. In this way there might be an opportunity for her to meet Anne's Harvard brother, and also it might occur to Anne to invite her to her party, which she knew was to take place during the holidays, and to which as yet she had not been bidden. Anne had spoken of it as being very small, which, while it accounted for Bertha's having no invitation, made her all the more desirous of being included among the favored ones. Bertha Macy had friends of her own, and might have been happy among them had she not been so carried away by her ambition to be counted among Anne Talbot's intimate friends. She spoke of herself as one of them to her own admiring circle and she was willing to go to any length to procure herself an invitation to the house. Mr. Edward Talbot was one of the leading men of New York, and was well known in every quarter for his business ability, his wealth, and his benevolence. Mrs. Talbot was admired for her beauty and her kindness of heart, but she was also said to be very exclusive. There was little that the Macy's did not know or think they knew about New York social life, and they were keenly alive to the worldly advantages of being on in intimate terms with the Talbotts. Therefore, the day after Christmas, Bertha donned her best clothes and at an early hour set forth to call upon her schoolmate. The carriage was waiting in front of the house, and it is to be feared that Bertha's frivolous little mind was more deeply impressed than ever by the sight of the handsome horses, the stately coachman in livery on the box, and the groom who stood at the carriage door. She told herself that she had come at precisely the right moment. No doubt Anne was going out, in the carriage, and might perhaps ask her to accompany her. She tripped up the steps and rang the bell, trying hard not to show her eagerness, but to act as though she had been sounding the Talbot's doorbell every day for years. At the very moment that she did, so the door was opened by the man, and Mrs. Talbot and Anne came out. "'Oh, Bertha!' exclaimed anne i am so glad to see you but awfully sorry too for i am just going out with Mamma. Mamma, this is bertha macy she is at school you know mrs talbot shook hands with her cordially and no one would have suspected that she was surveying somewhat critically the girl whom she had heard discussed and of whom she was inclined by what she had heard and seen, to disapprove. Mrs. Talbot would not have objected to an imitation bangle, perhaps, but she did not like imitation bangles sent in Tiffany boxes. However, there was nothing in Bertha's appearance this morning to arouse adverse criticism. She was prettily and inconspicuously dressed in a suit of dark blue, and her large blue felt hat with ostrich feathers looked very well over her fair hair. I am so sorry I can't stay at home and see you, continued Anne, but Mamma has made an engagement for me at the dressmakers, and we are late now and afterward we have to do some shopping together. But do come to see me again, Bertha. I want you to see my Christmas presents. That was a lovely bangle you sent me. I was going to write and thank you, but now I can tell you. And that was a perfect basket of candy you sent me, exclaimed Bertha. I simply couldn't write you. I just had to come and thank you for it. How lovely of you to send me anything, but I won't keep you now, as you are going out. You must come and see me, Anne. I will if I can, but the holidays are so short, and there are such lots of things to do. And then my brother is at home and some of his friends. If I don't get to see you, you will know it was, because I simply couldn't and we will make up for it when we go back to school. They were descending the steps as she said this, and the groom had opened the carriage door. She happened to glance at Bertha, and saw from the expression of her face that she was deeply offended, and was as warm-hearted as she was impulsive, so without stopping to give the matter a second thought, or to consider what her mother's opinion might be, she hurriedly added, "'But I want you to come to my party, Bertha. It is to be New Year's Eve. We will send you a regular invitation. But do keep that evening free, won't you?' "'Indeed I will,' cried Bertha, with undisguised delight. "'I should just love to come.' And then the carriage door was slammed, and the Talbots were driven quickly away. Bertha walked down Fifth Avenue in a state of felicity that made her step upon the commonplace flagstones as though she were treading upon air, and with so happy a face that more than one person turned to look at her a second time. "'Didn't I hit it just exactly right?' she said to herself exultingly. If I had been two minutes later, they would have been gone, and I don't believe Anne would have asked me. It would have been awfully mean of her, but I don't think she was going to do it. My, won't the girls in our set envy me? Just think of my going to a New Year's Eve party at the Talbots, and a small party, too. I'll have a new dress." I certainly can't go in the one I wore to the Tracys. I just got to have a new one. In the meantime, Mrs. Talbot and her daughter were discussing the situation. Anne, you know I don't care to have you invite guests to the house without my permission, said she. It surprised me very much to hear you. You should have left it for me to do. Oh, mamma dear. I know you don't like to have me do it, but I didn't stop to think. You didn't see Bertha's face. She looked so disappointed about my going out, and when I said there was so much on hand to do that I couldn't go to see her, and then she knew about the party and that Dolly and the others are coming, she would have been terribly hurt to be left out. And besides, she was so good to send me that bangle. Mrs. Talbot was silent for a moment. She had already decided to let Anne find out for herself what Bertha was or what Mrs. Talbot suspected her to be, and after all she was not sorry that Anne was kind-hearted and ready to be friendly and hospitable to all of her schoolmates without regard to their position in New York society. So she said no more. She herself was in no way influenced by wealth or social standing. She merely insisted upon good breeding and the genuine worth of those who came to her house. The affair of the bracelet had proved to her very clearly that these two qualities must be lacking in Bertha. But the girl appeared to be a lady in her manner of speaking and her dress, and after all, it could do no possible harm to Anne or to any one for her to be present on New Year's Eve. End of chapter 13. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.